Let's start our service by standing and singing, worshipping our Lord.
Welcome, welcome to London Road Baptist Church. My name is Gail and I shall be leading the first part of the service this morning. Um, we would like to welcome Mark Hardigan, who's with us today, um, to preach from Luke's Gospel a little later on in the service. Um, I'd like to take this moment to ask our stewards to organise the collection, please. Um, please do not feel you have to give. Um, many people give through bank accounts and, um, and other ways too. Um, if you haven't come prepared, just let the bags pass you by. Um, whilst this is being done, perhaps you would like to say hello to those around you. Um, I was going to say celebrate England's victory, but obviously we can't do that. So maybe we'll just celebrate not being a Tottenham Hotspur fan this morning instead. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you that we are able to give to you. Thank you that we are able to give you our time, our worship, our love, and the money that you have graciously given to us. We give back to you. We pray that you would use it well, Lord, for the furtherance of your kingdom. Amen. Um, there is a Ford... C-Max outside, KP12FLF. The back door doesn't look as though it's shut and the hazard lights are on. Um, if that's anybody's in here, perhaps we could all close our eyes for a minute so whoever it is won't be too embarrassed to stand up and do the walk of shame to the back of the, uh, the room. If that's not anybody's here, fine. We'll, if anybody's got jump leads, they might need them after the service. Um, right, okay. Let's just pray before we start to worship. Father, we thank you that we are able to be here today. Today we look around us at the glory of your seasons and how beautiful the frost makes everything look. We think back to the summer when it was too hot. We now think we're now in winter where it's too cold. But always, Lord, it is what you plan, what you bring to us, and we need to see the beauty in everything you do. Service this morning, Lord, is just to think about the joy that you bring us, the joy that we get inside from knowing you and knowing you love us and knowing you have a plan for us. 
you bring us so much joy, Lord. And in the same way, you provide us with, you provide for us financially so that we can give back to you. You provide us with joy, and we want to give some of that joy back to you this morning, Lord. So let's just be quiet and just think about how much God has done for us this week. Okay, we're going to begin our time of worship.
Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. <coughs> Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Let us today say, his love endures forever.
when hard pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can me mortals do? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. When all the nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down.
joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die. I will live and I will proclaim what the Lord has done.
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, joy in the festal procession, up to the horn of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever.
please have a seat and get your breath. Everybody feel a little bit happier now? Getting that joy back? Our reading today and the reading that Mark is going to be preaching on is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. And I should be reading from the NLT. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I'm just going to pray for Mark as he comes up. Father, we thank you for Mark being able to be with us this morning. We ask that you would bless him and his family. And we pray, Lord, that he speaks your word and that in turn your word speaks to each and every one of our hearts. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gail. Thank you for your welcome this morning. Is Lowestoft ready for Christmas? How many sleeps? Fourteen. Someone's ready for Christmas. Sorry, I, I didn't catch that. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's your microphone. I'm robbing you of your joy this morning. I, the reading I chose was for that just that one phrase. I bring you good news of great joy for 
all people. And like many of you last night, I was sitting in front of the telly and I was shouting at a referee who was 3,000 miles away and I could just feel my joy receding. It did go a little bit like that, but my joy, I actually sat there and thought, why did I choose joy? Why didn't I choose the promise that's yet to come? <laughs> and then this morning I woke up and Radio 5 Live Sports Extra was on, and I woke up to hear wood rattle the stumps of a Pakistani bat, and my joy level started to rise a little again. And then we drove across from between Beckles and Bungie where we live, and it was a beautiful, beautiful morning. And my joy levels rose a little again. And I just find myself thinking about the fact that for all of us, our emotions are tied up with how joyful we feel, and yet that's not the end of the story for joy. I don't know how you prepare for Christmas. Have you all got an Advent calendar? Are, you, are there lots of Advent calendars? Advent candle? Advent candle? Oh yeah, we've got those Advent candles. We, uh, the years that we've had an Advent candle, we always seem to be in a position where we burn three days and then we miss a couple and we're sort of getting ready for Christmas. One of, the, one of the things that happens in our family is, and now the kids have left home, it's not quite so prevalent, but we watch the Christmas adverts, and especially the big retail outlets. And this year, my favourite has been the Waitrose advert. And it does, it does actually catch, it pulls you in a bit, doesn't it? I actually feel like... They've spent a lot of money making an advert. Perhaps I ought to go and spend a little bit of my money at Waitrose. But I don't know how far it is to the nearest Waitrose from, from Beckles. It's, yeah, it's a long way, isn't it? I'd spend more in petrol than they spent making the advert, I suppose. But, but I have noticed that the Tesco's advert has a voiceover which says this this morning. Britain, there's a joy shortage. And it's a kind of rip-off of... Um, of our political sort of shenanigans. <laughs> I can't think of a better word for it at this time. Britain, there's a joy shortage. So we at Tesco's have created the Christmas party to help. More pigs in more blankets for more people. Award-winning wines delivered on budget. The only thing we will cut is our prices and cake. Let's put our tables together. If there's a spare party hat, put it on the dog. And we'll hold a referendum to see if love actually is the best Christmas film. We pledge dinner for five for under 25 quid. We'll solve the things that matter. Then a bit you need the pictures for, really. Today, Geoffrey, Today, we stand for joy. We are the Christmas party, brought to you by Tesco's. 
the pricey of that, if you summarize it into the words that are central, have something to do with what we stand for in church. Joy shortage, Christmas, tables together, love actually, today, today, we stand for joy. And of the things that we prepare ourselves for, the things that we think about in this season of Advent, joy must be one of them. Christmas is celebration. We all know that. It's a big Christmas party. I bring you good news of great joy for a birthday party. I don't know how you feel about birthday parties. Some of you are probably thinking, oh, stop counting my birthdays, really. But Christmas is a time when there are probably more parties than any other time of the year. Christmas is the birthday party for Jesus. It's why we say Merry Christmas to each other. Don't want to shock you too much, but some of us have lost sight of the fact that God likes parties. God is into celebration, and God is the bringer of joy. Think for a minute. What will you be doing in 14 sleeps time to celebrate with joy? I've heard, um, I've heard a few people describe what they'll be doing. These are some of the things that I've heard people say to each other this last couple of weeks. Not doing a lot this Christmas. I'm spending time with family. I'm going out with friends. Some honesty on this one. I'm eating loads. I'm going to indulge myself. If you ask the children if what's Christmas all about, they'll probably tell you presents. Presents. And then I've heard one person just say this. I just want to get through it. And I think perhaps in these days there's more people than before, perhaps, perhaps that's me just getting old, saying, I just want to get through it. Some of you might feel that about this sermon. I just want to get through it. Well, I'm sorry. You're welcome. What is the purpose of Christmas? First and foremost, it's a celebration. Why do we celebrate because angels appeared and said, I bring you good news of great joy, and it's for everyone. So what is this good news? I've got three things this morning I just want to remind you of. If you've been a part of church for a long while, you'll have heard them before, but you need to be reminded. The first one is this, God loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The most famous verse in the Bible. He used to see at the World Cup people with t-shirts on that just said 316. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is is good news. Christmas is a time when God says to the world, I love you, 
and he says it loudly. The Bible says that God is love. It doesn't say he has love. It says he is love. It's in his nature. God is love. He created you so that he could love you. The main reason you're here today and have breath in your body is because you've been created as an object of God's love. God made you. God loves you. God is love. And perhaps we've forgotten that God just can't stop loving you. God's love is based on his character, not on your performance. It's like my feelings as I watch a football match. God is not basing his love on his feelings for you. You can't stop him loving you. There's nothing you can do to stop him loving you. It's a really almost offensive phrase, but I want to say this this morning. You can spit in God's face and he will still love you. And this morning I want to encourage you to start living as though you really know that that's true. Don't base it on your feelings. Some people say, well, I'm sick. It's all right to be sick, and God still loves you. You might think this morning you're not good enough, and it's okay to be not good enough because God still loves you. It might be you feel under attack, that you feel under a cloud, that you feel under oppression, and you know what? It's okay to feel like that. God still loves you. And if you've said yes to Jesus, nothing can separate you from his love. God's love is an action of his will. The second thing I want to remind you of this morning is this. God is with us. It's a Christmas word, isn't it? Emmanuel. God says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. It's a verse from Hebrews. You may not feel it, but it has nothing to do with your feelings. He is with you every step of the way. The Bible says that Jesus' name will be called Emmanuel. It's one of his names that simply means God is with us. Some of you this morning might feel that you've been abandoned in life. God will never abandon you. You may not feel it, but that just means that you're not quite tuned in this morning. You're not connected as closely as you could be. It might be that you feel alone and abandoned. And God doesn't like you feeling like that. God says, doesn't he, it is not good for humankind to be alone. And whether or not you're married, that's irrelevant. The issue is this, you do need people in your life, and more than that, you need God in your life. And the biggest feeling of loneliness and abandonment is when you're not connected to God in your life. The good news, which comes with great joy for all people, is that God loves you and that God is with you. And it means that anything you face, 
in 2023, by yourself, you can know that God loves you and he's with you. And the third thing that I want to remind you of this morning is this, God is for us. God loves us, God is with us, and God is for us. Gail chose songs this morning that I think at least three of us really strongly said, God is for us. And sometimes it's a little bit awkward, isn't it, as a Christian, just to say, God's on my side. And it's not that we're the centre, but God is for us. I've shared with you John 3.16. John 3.17 says this, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. And we should be like that. God is for us. As we prepared in our household for Christmas, we're in that situation where the generation below us, my two children, are in serious relationships. One of them's married, and one of them has a long-term boyfriend. Katie has a long-term boyfriend. And this year, we worked out that it was Chaz and Emma's turn to go for Christmas to Emma's parents in Epping. So we did something which we've done before. We had a Thanksgiving meal. Essentially, we had Christmas dinner, but no presents. And at the end of the meal, we simply sat around the table and we said, would anybody like to share what they are thankful for for 2022? That was how we framed it, for 2022. And we had the generation above us who lived as small children through the Second World War. There was Janet and myself, and then our children around the table. And at least three of them just expressed this lovely truth that as they look at their lives, whether they are in the twilight years of their lives or whether in, they're in those young years full of hope, the fact that they can see that God is with them and for them, that God has been on the journey with them. It was a beautiful few moments for me to hear the people who are closest to me on earth reflect on the fact that God is for them, that they can see God's hand in their lives. I want to come to the end of my talk by quoting Milton Jones. Do you know who Milton Jones is? He's a man who stands on a stage like this and says, my other grandfather, my other grandfather, some of you are still not connected in today. He's actually quite a famous stand-up comedian. And I commend you to go and hear him. He's one of the few where there's no swearing, essentially. He's a Christian man in quite an unchristian environment. And he says this. My faith is like a joke. Some people get it and some people don't. And some people pretend they get it, and some people pretend they don't. Faith 
is like standing still in the middle of all the noise, knowing that there is a bus that's coming, and occasionally, through the fog and the traffic and the noise, you catch a glimpse of something big and red. Some of the others waiting at the bus stop might give up, or they decide they can make the journey on their own, or that there's no journey to make, and that the bus stop is really all there is, a bench and a shelter with a single training shoe lying on the roof. It's just the way things are. There's an old story of a boy who stood on a pavement waiting for a bus. A man walking by spotted the, la the young lad and asked what he was doing. I'm waiting for the bus, the boy said. Son, the man said, if you're waiting for the bus, you need to go and stand up at the corner of the street. That's where the bus stops for passengers to get on. It's okay, said the boy. I'll just wait here. I'm sure the bus will stop for me. The man repeated his advice, but the boy ignored him. Just then, the bus appeared. Amazingly, the bus pulled over to where the boy stood, and the boy hopped on the bus. The man on the sidewalk stopped, open-mouthed. The boy turned around in the doorway and said, Hey, mister, I knew the bus would stop for me here because the bus driver is my dad. <laughs> There's a father who loves you and would love, you to, love to take you on his journey. And this morning in church, as we celebrate good news of great joy of a father who loves us, of a son who's come to be with us, of a spirit who will lead us on, I want to simply lead you in prayer. As we come to the end of a Sunday morning on a beautiful, crisp day in Suffolk, and maybe this morning you need to just admit to yourself that you've been wandering a bit, and you need to come back and make sure that Jesus is central in your life. It may be this morning, actually you've never got round to saying, yes, I choose to be on this bus with this bus driver. But would you let me lead you in prayer? Lord Jesus, in these uncertain times where we rely on our feelings a lot. We come to you this morning and thank you and praise you that you love us, that you know us, that you made us, that you want us to be part of your life. Lord, this morning, as much as we know how, as much as we understand at this point in our lives, we come to you and either as a coming back to you or as a first time we say to you, Yes, we want to be part of your life. Lord, we come knowing that you are a perfect God and we confess that we are sorry for the times we get it wrong, for the things 
that are just set against you in our lives, for the selfishness that we harbour day by day, and we say sorry, and we ask you to come. We thank you that when you come, you forgive us. We thank you that when you come, you stay. And we thank you that you place your spirit in us and we can be a part of your family and your kingdom. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask the musicians if they want to join me again at the moment. This morning, I do want to say this to you. If you, if you prayed that prayer with me, there are one or two things that I would encourage you to do. One of them is I would encourage you just to talk to someone else and say, I prayed with the guy up front this morning and I meant it. I'd encourage you to be in touch with the Bible in a serious way. I'd encourage you to be around other Christians. Um, I'm sure there's formalised ways here at Lowestoft, um, London Road, Lowestoft, where you could be part of small groups. But make Christian friends, because they will encourage you. They'll help you. They'll question you. They'll encourage you. And lastly, I'd say this to you. If you haven't been baptised, then seriously consider baptism as a way of saying publicly, I belong to Jesus. It's, it's what he asks of those who follow him. It's what he intends for those who seek to follow him in their lives. So I'm going to hand over to Gail as we come towards the end of our time together. When we are tired, this is good news, as God can refresh us. When we are broken, this is good news, as God can mend us. When we are stressed, this is good news, as God can calm us. When we feel inadequate, this is good news, as God can reassure us. When we feel attacked, this is good news, as God can protect us. When we are joyful, this is good news, as we can worship God in truth. <coughs> when we are loved, this is good news, as we recognize God's arms around us. In this season of Advent, help us to remember your good news and may it fill our hearts with joy, letting whatever we do be honoring to you. There's nothing. 
Christ is a blessing.
I wish you a wonderful week, whatever you may be up to, and don't run and fall over.